Unwedding Podcast. I'm Karina. And I'm Sydney. We're two neurodiverse wedding planners who are committed to empowering nearlyweds to throw out the wedding rulebook, shrink their guest lists, and create a meaningful, purposeful wedding experience. We're taking the wedding industry by storm and disrupting the status quo. We're the Unwedding Planners, and we invite you to join our movement. We record our podcast from Treaty 6 Territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Salto, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. In our very first episode, we'll talk about the unwedding movement. We'll tell you what it is, back that up with a bit of evidence about why it exists, and wrap up with explaining how we make unweddings happen. So let's get into it. Unweddings are about the couple, not the norms. Honestly, I think when we look at the traditional wedding industry, we like to think that it is about the couple. We like to think it's about celebrating their marriage. But the truth is, is it really is not. And I think we see that so much in the fact that there's a huge focus that happens around the family and what family wants and all of the drama that tends to come up in in relation to a wedding. Yeah. Plus, we also just have this image in our minds from, you know, all of the movies, all of the magazines, all of the stories, you know telling you right from a young age if you're a little girl that this is something that you are working your way towards you're gonna have this big white wedding you know it's gonna be something beautiful people are gonna be jealous you're gonna get gifts you're gonna look like a princess who doesn't want to feel like a princess for a day you know and so we have all these expectations of what weddings are and and why they are and all of these things and there's there's so little personality within it and that's where we get all these people who resent weddings and feel as though you know that's never something that would make sense for them as a couple it's it's not the right decision and yeah I mean we get so locked into the norms where do the people go yeah, and I think there's this attitude around personalization um, where it's like, well, you get to pick your colors, or you get to pick the time of year or the style of dress. But let's be honest. Yeah, sure, they help you express your personality. But weddings at their core are all about following a rigid list of things and traditions. It's about, you know, your dad walking you down the aisle. It's about wearing the white wedding dress. It's about, um, you know, all these other tropes that exist out there, like the clueless groom and the mm. crazy mother-in-law. Mm. Um, And all of these things that are really at their core, so, so toxic and not at all about really what the focus should be is the couple. Yeah. So this unwedding idea is something that seeks to rewrite these ideas that exist within the wedding industry, especially because it is so pushed on us by um, the industry itself being part of the industry. (laughs) We, We can say it. We have to say it. Um, you know, couples coming in for a wedding generally aren't repeat customers. You're not coming back and back to this business because you like it. You're going to be spreading on the word to friends that you had a great experience and that's wonderful. Or you're a big company who has the money to put it into that marketing and advertising. And it doesn't matter the experience that any of the couples had with your brand because there's a whole new crop of customers coming up. And all you need to do is make that sale rather than, you know, make your product or your service or whatever it is stand out in the crowd. 
Yeah, and I think also too, like I said, we I guess there's this always this idea within the realm of business of make it as easy as possible, make it as repeatable as possible. And we see so many different vendors, and I am not gonna point fingers, but so many different vendors that sort of just follow this. Here's yeah. package A, here's package B, here's package C. And it does not give couples the tools to really personalize. It's why, you know, especially when you're on the what I like to call wedding circuit of your late 20s and 30s as all of your friends and family start to get ma married, you kind of fall into this like the wedding itself doesn't change a whole lot. It's just the couple that are getting married. It's similar yeah. people, it's similar styles, it's similar feel, it's similar yeah. so experience. talking about the wedding itself afterwards and sharing what the experience was, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I went to a wedding and they did a toonie bar. And, and oh, this wedding, I was there and they had crab legs. And you're going to talk about these random little specific things versus afterwards, you know, what I want to engage with people when I've, when I've just been to this event and when I've shared in that has been like, you know, this was such a beautiful thing and I'm grateful to have been welcomed into this space and to share that with my friends. And it seemed like it was so them. I mean, frankly, I did a, I was in a wedding for my friend um, in September of 2020 and, you know, the plans had been changed like everyone's during COVID. And being a part of that, that was exactly the vibe that I got at the end. This was so these two, this was perfect. And there were a lot of things that were different about it. The way that we gathered um, for the ceremony and we all stood in a circle in a clearing in the woods. The way that we entered the ceremony space where both sets of parents were already waiting there and then the bride and groom led us into that ceremony space on a walk through the woods, all the rest of the attendants. So it was their parents waiting there to run the ceremony and then all of us got to be involved. At no point did it feel like it was generic at no point did it lose this sense of it being a moment a very special moment between these two specific people you know i'm, I'm so grateful for that experience and to be able to see what a true real purposeful wedding can look like right yeah a hundred percent and you know i'm also kind of coming at this as a 10-year veteran of marriage and like you know I remember my wedding and it was super super traditional and it was you know like 150 people and I was told I had to have all these things and the societal pressure that came with that and this was also 10 years ago before Instagram before Pinterest mm -hmm. before all these tools and resources that have allowed us to share ideas in a very powerful way and now when I look yeah. back um, and I think about that wedding and I'm like you know I did my best to add my touches of personality like I did some cool things like you know we did the horse and carriage ride after our ceremony which was super cool um, and we brought in kind of our own unique flair to the decor in the sense of I'm a huge history buff so we had kind of a very Victorian style flair um, at Christmas time to our wedding but it was really typical. It, mm. There really wasn't anything super, super interesting about it. Gave you the illusion of personalization, the illusion of it being something that was for you, and yet all the other stuff that went along with it just ended up taking away from that joy that you could have experienced. 100%. And I can honestly tell you the stress that I experienced creating that and trying to navigate all of the wants and desires of my family, especially my mother, was one of made it one of the most stressful experiences. Like I was so waiting for this the day to be done because of yeah. that dynamic that existed for the entire 2 years I planned 
uh, my wedding. And that's something too that I think a lot of people seem to forget. Like we all experience it when we're planning our wedding, in, usually in one way or the other, that drama, that stress, that pressure. But it does real harm. It does real harm to relationships. Yeah. Um, and it's it's something that I don't think we're talking enough about. And what a strange concept too, to be working towards this thing that's, you know, you're told is going to be so monumental, so important in your life. And it's it is causing that harm how do you reconcile those two things of this being something that just interferes with your life until you get to this one day and when you do get to this one day you're wanting it to be over why are you wanting your wedding day to be over before you've even gotten to it that's not something wrong with the people that's something wrong with weddings I 100% agree. Um, And I honestly think it's one of the reasons why for us and for me, especially um, when I became a wedding planner in 2015 and I started to really think about this idea of doing things differently, which of course has now evolved into this much bigger idea of the unwedding movement. But it's that, you know what, we're really being intentional with so many different things and we're just kind of doing business in a very different way from other vendors that are out there and other wedding planners. And I'm not saying there's necessarily anything bad with it. I'm just saying that we are kind of go about things in a little bit of a different way and hopefully for our clients help create an experience that is um, much more positive and does not have all these negative connotations that we generally associate with weddings. And it's that whole that whole concept, too, of if you're not saying something, if you're not actively speaking out against issues but you benefit from those structures that have issues within them, then that's a form of being complicit. So it's not necessarily saying that other vendors in this industry are the problem, but it's saying that unless we are out here talking, having these conversations, unless we are addressing the fact that there are major issues with racism, classism, ableism, um, just these maintaining societal structures as they stand to keep people in power, the wedding industrial complex, the fact that this all ties in with just how governments run, you know, we we lose so much within that. I've totally lost my train of thought. That's one of the things I lost within the wedding industrial complex. <laughs> Is my train of thought. Well, even just sort of, I think, to build on a little bit more of what you said, the expectations around budgets and that, you know, by having these great big weddings, you're spending more than you would, at least in Canada, for your education, your post-secondary education. And I've seen weddings in my time in the industry in the last six years. I've seen weddings that are three quarters of a million dollars. I've seen weddings that cost $5,000. And the unfortunate part is, is there's a lot of pressure put on couples to spend these amounts of dollars because of the way things are. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, is the industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, <laughs> and it is, um, and how how good is that really? Like, yeah. how, why, why do we have to go about that? Because even, you know, 20 years ago, this idea of having a great big formal affair that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, I would have said would have been pretty much relegated to very specific cultural and ethnic groups where that is the norm. And that has really sort of spread like wildfire as 
our society has really changed their values and changed um, the way we look at things to now where it's like everybody seems to be expected. But, mm -hmm. you know, when my parents got married in 1984, it was like simple church wedding, simple hall wedding mm -hmm. in their small town, Ontario. You know, I think at one point in time, my parents had like 80 or 100 people. I can't remember exactly now, but they only spent like four or five thousand dollars. And now if you try to create something even remotely like that in the 80 to 100 person range, you're talking about 25, 30, sometimes even $40,000. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is what is it worth and what are the parts that are worth something to you the mouse on the table there <laughs> we're learning how to use computers <laughs> um yeah this this whole industry disrupting the industry coming in and, and having transparent business practices our approach to this you know we we're building it right into the framework of our business saying that we are not uh, accountable exclusively to the bottom dollar. Yes, it would be nice to maybe be able to afford to pay our bills. <laughs> that, would, that would be cool. But um, regardless of what we do, we aren't accountable only to shareholders within our business. We are accountable to stakeholders. And that includes not only our couples that come to us and and look to build this moment of their dreams but it also includes the land that we inhabit and the resources that we use it includes the businesses that we choose to work with and align ourselves with it includes the people that might be attending this wedding or might even just be walking past the wedding it makes sense that we are thinking about everybody who might be impacted everybody and everything that might be impacted by this event that we are doing and it is built into the precedent of this industry that you're only acknowledging certain impacts. So, yeah, breaking this cycle, trying to disrupt this industry that causes a lot of harm, but at the same time is about something so beautiful and so harmonious. It's something that brings human beings together. You know, there's room for that. So creating these on weddings is, is about acknowledging that harm. It's about being transparent in our business practices. And it's about making space for people who feel like they've been traditionally excluded. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, I think if you walk into any drugstore and look at their, or, you know, or bookstore and you look at their rack of wedding magazines, you're going to typically see one um, demographic that is very heavily represented. Mm -hmm. And that would be cishets, um, you know, cisgender, yeah. heterosexual, often white couples mm -hmm. and there is so little diversity and I think you know in 2020 when Black Lives Matter became such a big thing um, and we started to bring more attention to um, the struggles of black people and people of color within our society I remember at the time the industry was very like yeah we're going to be more diverse rah rah tear tear and it turns out it's been a whole lot of lip service um, because I know I don't know about you but I really haven't seen meaningful change in response to that it felt like um, um, just sort of response to the society at the time. But Good old performative allyship. What yeah. a surprise to see that from a consumerist industry, right? You know, it's how can we make how can we make our solutions to issues? First of all, not quite solutions, but bypasses. And how can we make them as palatable as possible to the people that are resistant to change and to the people that are asking for it? Now, specifically, it's going to be about the resistant to change people and just to appease enough the people that are asking for it. And the voices that are going to be appeased are the voices who have less of a stake in that change, too. Right. So 
make it seem as though you're being representational. Make it seem as though you're being inclusive. Give people a little here and here and like, look, we are building towards this. Where does that get us? Where does it get us really? And, you know, there's this concept of like, okay, if I'm going to put something in a magazine, it's got to be a pretty wedding. We're putting all this effort into it. And then we get to this really horrible, <laughs> oh gosh, I'm, I feel like a jerk just thinking about this right now and saying this, this idea of, okay, and now the people have to be a certain level of pretty too. But um, hello, whose standards are we going by here? Yeah. Whose um, understanding of what beautiful people are, are we looking at? These are beautiful people. They are here, they are sharing with other beautiful people, a beautiful thing. That's it. That's the bottom line. So if you're putting the effort into making something a wonderful event, it deserves to be shown to other people who feel like maybe I deserve that wonderful event too. But how is it possible for me? Because I don't look in wedding magazines and see um, ramps leading up to the altar so that it's accessible for everybody. I don't see um, Braille in in programs. I don't see, um, you know, a, a service giving people um, with with audio issues uh, an, an option to to read it if it's live streams, closed captioning, you know, and, and follow along that way. Um, even just selecting locations with paved pathways and walkways yeah. can be a huge difference. Um, creating stores that have clothes and sizes that fit human I, bodies. I, I'm a plus size person and it is so frustrating. And this is not a new story about for how many plus size uh, people who choose to wear a wedding dress for their event, going into a store and it all being, you know, size zero to size 12 and them feeling incredibly excluded yeah. within that experience. And you know, this is something that, you know, I know for me, like buying my wedding dress, that was supposed to be fun. And it very quickly was not because I was told. more of a buying a bathing suit experience where you know that you exactly. have to do it, but you're going to hate yourself at the end of it. Well, and I know for me, it was also very much about this idea of like, you know, I'm not enough. Like my body is not enough or I don't fit into this space that this space is not something that is designed maybe for a, me. Maybe wedding isn't for me. Maybe my maybe yeah. I don't deserve my wedding because there's nothing about this wedding industry that says hello, you belong here. Ah, yeah, how nasty, eh? It is it's a very really when you we really break it down, you really think about it. Our industry has a long way to go to even begin to remotely approach progress other industries have made towards mm -hmm. inclusivity and towards making everyone feel welcome into this to this overall yeah. larger thing that we like to call the wedding industry. Yeah. And even just with garments specifically too, there are we're coming out of this. You know, remember the show "What Not to Wear"? Oh yes, <laughs> and uh, like. Honestly, I believe Stacey London is probably a lovely person. I love the shock of gray in her hair. It's great. I love fashion. It's something I enjoy. I don't necessarily dress like I love fashion all the time, but I do. And I love reading about it and I love understanding about it. I like looking into history of things. And we have had for a while all of these conversations going around, especially that stemmed out of the 90s when there was this beauty trope of being rail thin. Um, we have these conceptions of, okay, if you have a body, here are the parts you need to hide. <laughs> here are the parts you need to cover up and take away. So not yep. only is it hard to find 
possibilities in sizes, but then it also gets into and just be able to try on sizes, but finding something that you like, something that you love, that's going to make you feel beautiful, that's going to make you feel like it's your style and it represents you, you're then cut to an even smaller in, you know, pond to fish in. How many metaphors have I used? Many. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's how we roll, so. <laughs> you know, like you're, mm-hmm. you're then, again, it's, it's the cyclical thing. At that point, then you're getting somebody in a dress that is the dress that they could make work. You're getting somebody standing up at their wedding feeling not like the princess they should feel like or empress or bridge troll, whatever you want to feel like. Um, but not feeling the way that they should be allowed to feel. Mm-hmm. It's their moment. And then that backs up then this idea of, well, we don't see too many plus size brides in gowns that we want to share on our platform because we're not seeing the designers that are really trendy. We're not seeing the styles that are really trendy. Yeah. Make the styles available for all bodies. 100%. And before anybody is thinking, well, well, in those situations, you can just get something custom made. Well, I hate to break it to you, but don't get me wrong. I know some wonderful dress designers who do make custom des- custom uh, garments. But you're talking something that easily starts at five to six thousand dollars um without a whole lot of additional extras and the reason for this is because of the craftsmanship and the amount of work that goes into creating a dress that isn't mass produced yeah and so you know so for to to turn around and say well you can just get custom well i'm sorry fuck you because frankly we should all have access to the things that are going to make us feel good and it should be widely enough available that i don't have to um, go out of my way to have something custom crafted for me just because my body does not fit into the ideal yeah i mean folks who use mobility devices too right any adaptive device it's the same thing is that you have to get things custom made to fit around something that allows you to operate in this life you know talk about exclusion talk about making things seem like only certain people are deserving of it but um just to clear things up you and i believe that everybody deserves love 100 percent. everybody and everybody (laughs) and love in the way that makes most sense that isn't necessarily cishet that isn't necessarily you know just you and one other person i'm talking about everybody i'm talking about um you know the aromantic uh people i'm talking about people who are um in you know a relationship with more than one person and you know unfortunately our wedding industry tends to be you know because of the law and because of government we tend to focus specifically on a very narrow window of two people but you know it can be so much more and we can create uh, both legal and just commitment ceremonies that are beautiful and are still representative of the couple if we just think beyond what is the norm yeah because let's talk like what is what is it about a wedding? You know, what is the thing that makes it special? Is it the dress? No. no. Is it the signing of the legal document? I mean, for some people, sure, great, cool, go to City Hall. It's not. What it is, is getting excited to share a day where the entire purpose of that day, the entire purpose of any gathering that you have, be it just a single person to officiate or um bunches and bunches and bunches of people that you've you know barely even smelled before just to come join in on this joy with you um whatever that looks like 
this is a thing about people too, more people saying, hi, you, I have decided that your existence, who you are, your entire being, your entire person is important to me, is something that I am going to prioritize and cherish. It's saying that I would like to navigate these next steps of my life and I would like you to be my teammate in that. I would like to show everybody that means a lot to us that you are my number one selection, putting you right here and you and I are gonna go through this together. And it's not necessarily, like in that moment, we're we're not in love with weddings because we're like, they will never f- be apart. They will die in the same bed, like in the notebook, you know, mm-hmm. Noah and Allie. At 97 years old. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe that's some people's yeah. considerations. But again, like, maybe you need to watch less Nicholas Sparks movies. Like, that's not what it is. It's that intention. And it's making that choice to exist through this life with another human being. So, so what does that mean to you? You know, like, what does that mean to, to me who, I mean, and this is crazy too, just the fact that you and I are, are doing this and, and, and in this business right now, because I don't think I ever, as much as I've always loved weddings, I don't think I ever saw myself committing to this industry <laughs> Yeah, because I don't tend to often <laughs> see myself committing. <laughs> Commitment um, issues. Yeah. So you are this like person who... Yeah. entered into her marriage in a state of life where you were still not necessarily the healthiest you that you could be, no. where your hubby wasn't necessarily the healthiest he that he could be. Um, but you're, again, choosing each other every single day. You're continuing that relationship. You're continuing that love and you're building and growing into better, more whole people together. Yeah. And I am like, I've had like one kind of monogamous thing. <laughs> But that being I said, don't necessarily suit this. And yet the thing that we share yeah. is that appreciation for genuine, authentic human yes. connection, whether it's romantic or whether it's even just what you and I have. We're very much in love. Um, <laughs> John, it's OK. Don't worry about it. <laughs> being able to align mentally, yeah. align your values and build something together. You know, we're we're making a commitment to each other on live podcast it's not live (laughs) (laughs) um but we're we're making this commitment to each other as well just in the building of this business and it is something that deserves celebration beyond just the potential for dollars down the road it deserves appreciation because we are two people who are doing something in the world and i think it, it And I think that's sort of the thing that we we tend to ultimately forget about weddings and about the commitment that two people are making. And, you know, and I think it's so important that a wedding does not destroy those connections Mm -hmm. because unfortunately I've seen it before and I'm sure I'm going to see it again. We see relationships break down, whether that's between the couple because they literally stop talking about anything but the wedding and they get all stressed about everything. And then all of a sudden they're, they're breaking up when, you know, they had been very much in love and intending to make this commitment mm-hmm. to each other mere months before to other familiar like family type relationships or relationships with friends like how often mm-hmm. do we hear about bridesmaids quitting or we hear about you know like you know 
well, we have those other lovely tropes, like, you know, the mother-in-law, and we have the, you know, the mom and the dad and all of these different things. Have you ever seen a fight at a wedding? Um, (laughs) Yes. They happen. (laughs) They do. The (laughs) fact that they happen... Uh, There's something that's Um, And honestly, being a bouncer is not something in my qualifications, (gasps) even though that day I kind of was. But, you know, it's it's very much... um, Yeah, if I have to bounce people, that's a separate fee entirely. Exactly. Or, Uh you know, if you really think that that's a thing, we should be having private security at our wedding. And weddings really shouldn't be about that. The fact that I even have to say that because of the drama that can, can come up... Yeah. The I think fact that there's a potential for security at weddings is is complete and crazy. It's not just feuding it's, Italian mob families. Like no. it's not. It's, no, it can come from anywhere. <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, the the fight I saw or didn't even turn into it. We managed to stop it from getting there, but was between um, a bridesmaid's boyfriend and the DJ, and. It was over, you know, packing up times and also people were drunk and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like with with things properly negotiated with this DJ not having been hired because a friend said you should hire my friend and not wanting to feel mm-hmm. bad about it um, with contracts that are in place specifying things with having the advice of a wedding professional to guide you through to make sure that contracts yes. are signed and in place to protect both parties. That's the drama that happens. And, you know, like, honestly, that one, I got to say, my friends did not need the stress of knowing that there was, they didn't even have to get interact interact with it. But knowing that that was there, mm-hmm. you're literally starting somebody's relationship off with that, yeah. you know, not very considerate. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's honestly um, one of the most powerful things about working with a wedding planner throughout the um, entirety of planning a wedding. And I, under- I understand that wedding uh, planners aren't necessarily affordable to everyone. Um, that's why we do have resources that are presently in the works, not presently available, but yeah. will be hopefully down the road um, that can offer those resources to couples who can't uh, necessarily afford to hire a wedding planner for a private, you know, to do yeah. the whole shebang um, yeah. backwards and forwards. Um, however, if you can afford it, it is something that is going to make your planning process so much better. Because I tell my couples all the time, especially if there's drama of any kind, or, you know, especially like, uh, you know, a parent who is insisting on something that they can blame it on me. I'm perfectly cool mm-hmm. being the scapegoat. Yeah. Um, you know, and say, <laughs> you know, that, you know, if you really like want something and when you and I have agreed on something and, you know, your, your mother-in-law stepping in saying, well, that's not how weddings are done. Just blame it on me. Just yeah. my idea. Even Listen, if it's yours. The coordinator said this and the contract is, <laughs> very exactly so i can't get out <laughs> honestly though and and yet we t- yeah so we look at these relationships that we're building in the in the way that we do this because we think that on weddings you know the reason that we're having them is so that it is like we said at the beginning it's about the couple it's not about the norms it's about that moment that shared experience that commitment so the healthy re- way to look at this is that the relationships involved in this should be able to be healthy hundred percent. You know, your wedding coordinator is there along this whole process to help you navigate the drama, not just 
so that you don't have to put the work in. But so that when you, your wedding day finally approaches, you're not resenting the person that you're going to go <laughs> say these things to. 100%. You know, you actually mean the promises that you're making. And you have the support from this industry professional who's reminding you that, okay, you know what? You guys are getting way too caught up in the details right here. Go on a date. <laughs> yes, 100%. I actually do try and challenge my couples to go on date nights at least once a month with the rule that they're not allowed to talk about the wedding. No um, wedding chats. Because it's really easy when there's so many elements and so many things and so much amount of money involved that you focus only on that and yeah. nothing else. And that unfortunately is um, a surefire way to walk into your marriage, yeah. not really knowing the person you're married and, to. And should an engagement, the time that you spend with someone before you are their spouse, should an engagement be about an event, a day, that's not what the rest of your marriage is going to be no. about. That's not what the your whole getting to know each other dating experience was about. So why are you spending between a few months to a few years focusing all of your collective resources and brain power and support and whatever on this one thing rather than, you know, if, if especially if you do have a longer planning process, your ideas can change along that time, too, um, as your relationship grows and develops, as you understand yes. what things are important to you and as you have more conversations. Oh, my gosh, please have conversations with your partners. Yes. <laughs> and I'm and I am going to say it, whether or not your officiant requires it, getting some premarital counseling is mm -hmm. so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be with a religious professional. Plenty of couples therapists out there offer a similar service. Yeah. But by taking that time to actually like talk through things, you'd be surprised what you have haven't thought to talk about and yeah and what you haven't thought about too and then also just you know you're making this big adult stuff you're spending all of this big adult money don't do it empty empty yeah empty handedly empty mindedly don't be empty okay folks um you're if you're going to do this adult thing be a freaking adult about it learn how to navigate adult relationships yeah the therapist is there not just to make sure okay i approve you guys are compatible go get hitched the therapist is there to say you guys have these communication barriers between you let's work on some tools and tactics that are going to yes. allow this to allow you to navigate those issues you're building a toolbox for the future the yes. same way that registering for for wedding gifts is helping you build your toolbox for your future Get the tools. They're out there. Yeah, 100%. And um, kind of on the same lines, I guess it's just the important point to remember that the wedding is just one day. And what you are doing is you are committing to a relationship that will hopefully yeah. last a lifetime with another person. Yeah. And that needs to be the ultimate focus yeah. of preparing for marriage that this engagement period really needs to make sure that you're understanding um, the gravity of the commitment mm. that you are making to each other and that you are making sure that you have those tools and resources available to you um, moving forward. It's not about the party. It's about the vows. 100%. The vows are so important. Yeah, you can just do the generic ones if that's what you believe and that's what you feel like or if you're just lazy and you don't care. Mm. It's about the intention. You're going to think about it. But frankly, to me, I know if I were doing this, it would be so central to ensure the words that I am saying are the words that I intend to keep, the words that I mean and have importance to me. How am I supposed to promise somebody, vow somebody something if I haven't done the work to get to know 
them and myself in that too, right? Healthy relationships core to this whole thing, but it's not just the couples. It's the relationships with like, like going back to your experience, your whole interaction with your mother and giving that pressure on what was to be expected. Um, You know, an unwedding is about making sure that, you know, if you had a planner, if you had you, Yes, if I had the me. If today. you had you, <laughs> an unwedding planner there to be like, Karina, this is why we're doing this. How can I help you navigate this person yes. who you emotionally are so tied to and so indebted to in so many ways? That's such a difficult, difficult thing to yep. navigate. You can't give yourself permission to step away from those things all the time. No. And sometimes your partner isn't able to give that permission either right to be like it's okay like we're doing this for us you don't have to listen to your mom sometimes that can feel like a betrayal from a partner too telling you that you don't have to listen to a person who's you know shaped you so so very strongly but the wedding (laughs) the unwedding it doesn't deserve that and having a, a a planner a coordinator being able to take on that like that accountability to say, no, we're doing this for you and it is for you and you are good and you are deserving and you are worthy regardless of if someone in your life feels put out because it's suddenly not about them. Yeah, 100%. Um, And the other thing too, like I guess the other, the the bigger question then, you know, talking about all of these things is how does one get from the traditional and get to these ideas of, you know, okay, great. I agree with all of you. How do I have an unwedding? How do I rethink Mm -hmm. this entire process? Mm -hmm. And I know for, for me as part of my own um, journey in this career and understanding different strategies and different ways that we can approach this, this process, one of the most pivotal things that I learned, and it was really only within the last year is this idea of a purpose mm-hmm. um because you know like i'm sure if i ask the question to you just kind of out of the blue why are you having a wedding you're gonna tell me to it's married. married right and the truth is is getting married is simply the function of the event it's so important at the very beginning to figure out why you're having a wedding in the first place is it to celebrate your family is it to honor traditions is it to celebrate your relationship or the commitment you're making to each other Mm. do you want to have a banging ass party and just go all out because you can whatever that looks like for you it's such a personal um thing that really is needs to be determined from couple to couple to couple but once you have that purpose figured out it's going to make the entire planning process so much more intentional yeah because you know what your target is you know what your goal is you know and i think anybody that's project management experience or has done any event planning in their own knows that when you have a goal and when you have a target it makes everything so much better and it makes the process so much more intentional and defined and when you are interacting with those those naysayers or those those parties that are making things a little bit more difficult you then have the paper trail uh you you have the the written proof yes i guess that this is an unnecessary step and this is a necessary step um, this is the direction that we're going and this is why we're not going that way. And it takes out so many potential for it to become a personal disagreement versus I totally hear what you're saying and I thank you and for sharing your thoughts and your, your wants with me. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd love to, if that's something that's important to you, 
you know, like celebrate with you in that way for something that you're doing. Yeah. For me, the thing that I'm celebrating is this, and this is how we're framing it. If you and John were to get married today, the people that you are today, yes, without the same pressures, what would your purpose be? Our purpose, honestly, for me, would be about creating an experience that's super intentional. I can tell you my wedding would be maybe 40 people. Um, and it would be honestly something that was really different and really unique and uh, celebrated us and celebrated our relationship um, where the focus was truly 100% on the love that we have for each other okay. and the love that has grown over a decade of marriage. Um, but not marriage because in this scenario, well, yes, you're living in sin. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So yeah. So for you, the purpose of marriage for you guys right now would be a celebration of love. 100%. That's wonderful. Right? Because I think that's, you know, when you look at our journey and what we've been through together, that is honestly what a wedding would symbolize for us at this day yeah. and age in our life. Because honestly, that's something that will evolve even. If you were to have a, a vow renewal or another commitment ceremony down the line, you might have yeah. a different thing. And yeah. that is oh, okay. totally different focus. Because, yeah, it might be it, this these promises that you're making to, your, to each other, whether it's new vows or old or repeating the same things, you know, they're coming from different people or like you know a different a different version of who you are so it's gonna mean something Mm -hmm. different even if the words are the same a hundred percent like both of us um especially me but both of us are entirely different people um than the people that we were when we got married to each other and we have just grown together over the last 10 years um and it's not been a cakewalk um but it's been something that's so worthwhile to have that relationship to to invest in and to yeah. continually put first and that's why 10 years later we are still strong um or stronger than we were yeah. on the day that we got married so walking me through then the unwedding movement process we're looking at me now because we've talked enough about you karina yeah um <laughs> so i'm getting married uh and how does that process work how how are you going to engage with me to get to my to my purpose well, in terms of purpose, um, I do have a thing that goes part of, uh, it's part and parcel is um, part of my consultation before you even hire me. Because frankly, as far as I'm concerned, whether or not you hire me, um, I want you to walk away with a wedding purpose. It's yeah. something that. The language I, to communicate And the language it. to communicate it um, as you move forward with another planner or not, or whatever that looks like for you. But um, also by, um, so by the having that conversation, um, I have different questions that we're going to ask you. And ultimately, we will write a purpose statement at the end um, of that. And I think we can have a much longer conversation at a future episode about purpose and yeah. how to really determine that. Um, so I think right now, my wedding purpose would be to get insurance for my cat. So somebody with like a really great insurance policy. Oh, there you go. Really well employed. Be questioning your motives, but you know. <laughs> Hey, if they're into, but if that's my partner's reasoning too, they're like, I have this amazing insurance policy with pet insurance. And the only thing I'm looking for is a beautiful, intelligent woman with a really cute cat who (laughs) needs to be insured. Yeah. You know what? Wouldn't you want to plan that for me? hundred percent. Yeah, you would. Right. We'd figure it out. There'd probably be pictures of my cat (laughs) everywhere. Yes. It would be very interesting. Yeah. As long as we don't do the fur, because, you know, the fur can be uh, problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even need his fur. I'm I'm allergic. But, hey, he's cute. 
So that's that's what matters. <laughs> but outside of that purpose establishment, um, the second conversation that we have um, is an experience is a conversation mm-hmm. around experience design, which again I'm not going to get into um, for the sake of time. Yeah, that's going to be a whole process. other podcast. <laughs> but um, basically, we we verbally talk through different ways that we can create an experience that's super super intentional and, and very outside that norm of the typical, you know, uh, getting ready photos, ceremony, cocktail hour, dinner, dancing that you know yeah. just about every wedding seems to follow universally. Yeah. Uh, and then after that. Um, as we move forward into our planning process, we have basically what I like to call the five stages of planning, starting off with launch, which is when we're actually, um, you know, picking our venue and picking our photographer and other key vendors that we really need that, you know, your wedding day is probably not going to go mm-hmm. forward. Um, and the exciting point of without. part of doing that and having that purpose is not only are you deciding on the the experience design aspect, not only is yeah. it guiding your interactions with your family and stuff too, but it's helping align you with the vendors that are being selected. 100%. You know, if if it's, if it's your values matter, if these things are important to you, then you're going to find vendors that bump up that purpose, not detract from it, right? Exactly. Um, and by determining, like I said, that purpose and that experience, because we've established that right out of the gate, it helps us develop a budget, it helps us find yeah. the right vendors, and it helps to really put the foundations in to have that amazing unwedding experience at the end of the day and then um, following that we then move into a design phase which is actually you know all the pretty stuff because weddings still are pretty we still want them to be pretty pretty, right and so like pretty (laughs) determining you know what your flowers might look like what your tables might look like all those sort of typical wedding things that we see um, that are also all determined based going back and revisiting that purpose and that experience plan so that we've it created. really sounds as though and i say it sounds as though i know all of this already <laughs> spoiler alert uh it really sounds as though experience design takes into consideration the senses 100%. all your sensory inputs and not only the couple not only thinking about vendors too making sure that they have a decent experience being yes. working in the wedding industry being wedding professionals we have that extra bit of sympathy a hundred percent and unfortunately there is some vendors that have very negative views of planners and we don't want to do anything that is going to um change that yeah or yeah. you know or, or well we don't need to do anything that's well, going to change that because we're not going to work with them but, <laughs> but my point being yeah that, you know we want to make sure that even as planners that we're following we're not reinforcing bad stereotypes and, yes and reinforcing bad bad stereotypes <clears throat> wedding planner j-lo need to say more uh-huh. but <laughs> i do love that movie though she's so attractive in it uh, so yeah getting all of those getting all of those yeah. senses in and ensuring that guests yes. too are feeling like if you're if you're being invited to this we want you to enjoy it too we want you to not not only enjoy it we want you to be excited for it yeah. i can't imagine especially when i was a little bit younger and on my my wedding circle my wedding circuit of my late 20s and my 30s yeah. i was like oh fuck i got another wedding to go to right yeah. i gotta go buy a dress i gotta Thinking travel about the cash it's it's so you're you're stuck on that investment yes. aspect of it People shouldn't be like going, I don't want to celebrate your love because it costs too much. Like, ew. No, we want people who are actually, you know, we actually want to get your guests excited about that process through very, very intentional things that I'm not going to talk about right now um, ahead of time so that your guests are like, yeah, I want to get my outfit to go to Sydney's wedding and it's going to be freaking fantastic and I can't wait. Um, And that is where the intention and the experience design comes in to really make that difference. That's how you get an unwedding. Exactly. And then um, in terms of the the remaining steps of the planning process, which I'll just kind of run through really quick because they make a lot of sense. Step three is 
plan. So we actually, you know, take those designs, we make them happen. Um, phase four being um, the finalized. So that's creating all of our timelines, all of our production schedules, making sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So that the we're part that literally <laughs> no couple wants to do. That yeah, and we really... get a little bit of joy out of <laughs> some sick we're, we're, pleasure because <laughs> we're really weird like that. And then uh, finally, our phase five, which is our celebrate phase. So that's the last couple of weeks um, leading up to your wedding, where at that point we have completely taken over everything. All of your boxes are ticked as best as they can be. And you can just enjoy those last couple of weeks leading up to your wedding, welcoming your family and your friends as they come into town. um, If there's people traveling in and just really getting to immerse and engage in that wonderful experience that should be your wedding rather than, the typical of we see stressing and putting centerpieces together the night before or whatever that looks yeah, like. No thanks. Um, <laughs> we're not interested. We're in really that. changing yeah. um, your experience not only on the day of, but even in the days leading up to your wedding. And the days after. And the days after too, because um, you know you get to then go off and do whatever you're going to do, honeymoon, whatever. Because we've taken care of everything. And you're not dealing with the you're not dealing with disappointed people that you because because it's been navigated well. 100%. You're not dealing with guilt and shame you're not dealing with the hunger pangs because you never got to eat during your wedding day like no we're gonna we're gonna actually make it good start to finish and beyond yeah well honestly I think um that was a wonderful conversation and I hope that for you clarifies you know a little bit about what the unwinding movement is and and who we are um, and why it is we do what we do Um, and so um, but for the next episode we are going to be talking about a really really hot topic that comes about I think with just about every single wedding um, which is drama and um, we're actually going to be digging into why it's time um, we think to do away with the word bridezilla Mm -hmm. so um, until then uh, we are going to that you follow us on social media at the uh, unwedding movement and let us know what you think about unweddings and uh, we're really excited to engage with all of you and hear um, about the parts of the wedding industry that make you swoon and what parts of the industry give you the creeps so until next time keep it real (laughs) i can't even i told you (laughs) (laughs) okay it needs work but until the (laughs) until next time keep it real and uh, we will talk to you again soon Find us on the internet at unweddingmovement.com or on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Pinterest at Unwedding Movement. Our podcast episodes are released weekly and available wherever you like to stream.